now listening to Enter VR, the podcast on all things virtual reality. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. I hope you're having a great day out there, you fellow scholars slash lady and gentlemen of virtual reality, you. And today I'm joined by Carl Krantz. Carl, to me, you don't need much introduction, but uh, to everybody everybody else, Carl Krantz is the Obi-Wan Kenobi of virtual reality. He's the creator of the Silicon Valley virtual reality meetup. Um, a source of inspiration for many people that wanted to get involved in VR. Um, he's also created Escape VR, um, SVVR Jobs. Uh, Carl, you're doing everything, and I am. Uh, I'm, and, and as they say on the R Fitness subreddit, I am admiring you um, for for all the work that you're doing. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's great to be back. Sweet. Okay, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty stuff. Uh, Carl, what is the worst thing that could happen to virtual reality right now? Ooh, you, you, you threw me. Should I say that Facebook would acquire Oculus? <laughs> 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 because it turns out that wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so far. Yeah. Um, um, that's actually been good because it got them up here in, in the Bay Area. That's for sure. Um. <laughs> um what is the worst thing that could happen for VR? I'm still, you know, I still think, that, you know, the worst thing is that one company owns VR and VR equals one company, you know, and that kind of, uh, that ready player one scenario There's mm. kind of one Apple-like company that is, you know, kind of like, you know, will create VR and you consume it. Yeah. <laughs> and we won't tell you anything about it and we'll lock it all up in patents, but that's not happening. So it does not seem to be happening Yes, and so I'm feeling good about that. Oh yeah, I mean March proved uh, March proved to, to be a month that showed that there is more dogs in this fight than uh, and and that and, and it's delightful to see Valve and OSVR and Sony and Oculus, you know, all competing and also in, to some extent collaborating. I, I think um, I think the general mood and and let me know if you feel like this might be. Uh, something that you've noticed like i feel like the general mood is is more of a collaborative mood mood like um it's not th the time for us to be uh going after each other in competition will be when the market actually is here right now i feel like there's a sense of you know there's bigger problems than you know um, that we need to worry about like user adoption before we actually start you know really you know, com competing, but, you know, but what do you think? What do you think are the, uh, the general sentiment that you've been noticing on that, on that end? Yeah, so far, almost every company in the space has been extremely open and collaborative and working together. And everyone realizes that, you know, this, this VR thing is bigger than all of us. And that's, that's really promising. And, you know, I don't think that will last forever. I think you're right. Once, you know, once people are actually selling things and there's market to be divvied up, <laughs> you know, it'll get a little more competitive, but right now everyone seems to be pushing for the same thing. I think everyone realizes that, you know, what's good for VR is good for all of us. Yeah. So there is a very collaborative spirit, even within these larger companies where you might not expect it, you know, Sony, Samsung, HTC, you know, all these, these, these big, bigger companies, uh, they're still, the teams that are working on VR are still being driven by people that are passionate about VR, and that's very promising. Indeed, indeed it is. Um, you know, I was, I was watching uh, someone, someone was able to post a video online of John Carmack giving his talk at the, 
I think it was University of Texas. Forgive me if I if I don't remember well. But um, in in the panel, they asked them a question where um, they asked them, John, what do you think is going to be the next ten years for the gaming industry? What is the gaming industry going to look like in the next ten years? Um, and one thing that stood out for me that he said was, uh, you know, in the next ten years, it's very possible that we will have you know, video games that will be budgeted at a billion dollars. You know, we already have games like Grand Theft Auto and Destiny that, you know, cost 500 million, something like that each. And so he's sort of extrapolating in the next 10 years, you know, we might be seeing a $1 billion production out there. Wow. <laughs> and my question to you is, what does that look like? What is what is a billion dollar by you um if if in the context of, of virtual reality for example i think scale i think it's scalable multi-user worlds that's what that's what you can do with a billion dollars <laughs> yeah you can create you know large you can create beautiful scalable large scale virtual worlds that are just you know infinitely rich <laughs> not only that carl but here's a crazy idea that i've been thinking about a lot um, and I know it's kind of too early for the rabbit hole, but uh, we're going to accelerate things here. Um, what if what if not just uh, scale um, and, and, and fidelity, but also um, creating a paradigm in which the, this new virtual world is emotionally intelligent? Um, so incorporating some form of artificial intelligence with biometrics and you know, 10 years from now, you'll be in this virtual world that is reacting to your emotions. Um, if you're feeling sad, it, all of a sudden it shows, shows you videos of cats doing silly <laughs> things. If you're feeling anxious, it will show you uh, videos, you know, or it'll start playing Mozart music or something like that. I, you know, I think, um, I think we could create something of a genie inside this virtual bottle of, of sorts i mean but what do you what do you think is this too soon do you think uh we might ever see something like that oh yeah in 10 years i think yeah that's very very likely and i, I can imagine seeing things like uh, uh intelligent agents uh something like siri but that uh, agents that actually know you and learn the more they interact with you they learn more about you and they become very personalized so they can cater to your needs and interact with you in a, you know, in a more meaningful way. Every time you interact with them, they become smarter and the next interaction becomes better because they've learned more about you. Yeah. And see, the cool thing about that is I feel like you, we, if, if you're able to, um, if you're able to, to have full access to that information of, of your biometrics and your feelings and your moods, you know, you, for example, you can go by, you know, at the end of the year, you can look at your 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 graph, all the moods you've had, and all the different reactions you've had, and you can say to yourself, "Wow, it looks like uh, I'm really sad during the summers for some reason," or I get, you know, I have I have to pee a lot between the hours of 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. 6 a.m. 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Things like that, weird things like that, that I feel like we're not cognizant of, and maybe we would have. Because of this aggregation of data and the integration of artificial intelligence, we might be able to have better insights of the into the macro view of our own self by 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 virtue of all this data. But 
the bad part about this is who owns the information then <laughs> is, yeah. it, is it is it yours is is or is it you know or is it for someone else to sell and give it to marketers um, yeah, I think in the beginning we're a little bit loose and uh, I think we're all a little bit too loose with this information and who owns it. And we don't really think about that because we want to see what, you know, what what value can we get out of these technologies. But as as we evolve and the technology evolves, I think we we begin to pay more and more attention to, OK, it's actually important you know, who owns this data, the content I'm creating, the information about, you know, myself and my habits. And I think we're going to start to, as a society, come to some sort of agreement around, you know, what what part is mine and what part I am comfortable sharing. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to be the thing that will catapult us into having that conversation in the first place? Um, I feel like I, I feel like if the Snowden revelations are uh of any sense of way for me to extrapolate it's gonna have to be something extreme <laughs> yeah i think it's it, it is it's a pendulum you know it's things are gonna have to go bad in one direction before they go you know in a better direction yeah unfortunately i think that's that seems to be just the way this this stuff works <laughs> yeah 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 we humans we're so reactionary i swear yeah um, so we go one way we go too far then we swing back the other way we probably go too far and then you know we find somewhere in the middle that that works for most people yeah I'm, i mean overall though i'm really i really am hopeful um and i i really think that you know for example you know what is it going to what is it that is going to um, I keep thinking about like what is it that is going to compel people to come back to virtual reality to co to come back to use it. Um, and before I answer that question, you know, I want to know what you think. What, what do you think is the thing that will make people come back? Uh, the thing that the thing that makes me come back are is the unexpected, the chance that there could be something new there, or more likely someone that I know or someone that I would like to know. So I think, you know, the reason to come back into a VR environment is because you have friends there, because you have a community there that you're part of, uh, because there are, you know, people that you're interested in there doing something that you don't want to miss out on and you want to, you want to participate. And I think, I think that's the thing that keeps people coming back. It's people. Yeah. I think, I think you took my answer away from me and I think it's because I had, I probably took that same answer from you sometime <laughs> before I, I probably heard of, I heard it come from you or uh, a collection of people and I was like, hmm, that's a really good idea. I think that I, makes I, a I lot of sense. I think it's actually beyond people, but um, I think it's actually, the, it's the unexpected mm -hmm. and the, the, the most common way that we uh, encounter the unexpected is people. <laughs> Because people, you know, you can't predict people. They could be, they could do anything. You never know. Yes. But I think there are other, the other, um, you know, other unexpected um, areas like unexpected content. Like maybe there's something new. You know, you're going to keep coming back to like uh, Steam and seeing what you know, what new, you know, what new games or applications are there. Mm -hmm. um, or if you look at like Oculus Share, you know, each week there's new things. So I think having new content, that's one thing that keeps people coming back is new content. But um, if you're an application or a game developer, you don't really care about the other new content. You, you want people to come back to your experience. And I think the way to do that is to have some unexpected elements within that experience, either something based on real data right. or have real people in there. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm, I, I'm sure you've had this question asked to you before, um, and, and I want to know how you answer it. When people approach you and ask you, Carl, what do you think is going to be the killer app for VR? You know, what do you say? How do you answer that? Yeah, I, I think I, I pr pretty consistently settled on social, social VR, social virtual worlds, these mm -hmm. shared experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the thing that keeps me coming back. Um, you know, I just, just looking at the, um, just looking at how people play existing games or use existing experiences and platforms. And it's the social ones that have longevity. I think it's, you know, I always, I always wind up bringing the conversation towards second life, but you know, the average second life user is something like 30 hours a week, which is crazy. That's, wow. You know, that's a lot of hours. Yeah. So it's a, a social virtual world has just this magnetic power that can just keep people coming back and it can keep them there for years. You know, it's just probably decades. We just don't know yet. They haven't been around for decades yet. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but I approach it from a, from a different angle i i see when when people ask me um and and for those who are listening you're, you're getting this for free um i'm gonna tell you what the killer app is going to be i think uh in my mind i think i think um sort of on the same vein of what you're saying but i think that user generated user curated content in vr um will be extremely compelling and i and i say that because um what is it that makes the most most money right now it's it's user generated slash user curated platforms like youtube and instagram and to some degree twitter um and people you know when someone nails that that interface or that app that will get you creating things in vr seamlessly and be able to share them um i think you know, I, I think you'll have a killer app. I feel like Google did a great job by acquiring people like Tiltbrush. Because if you see Tiltbrush, um, I can definitely see it being super accessible, whereas, you know, you have the, 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 the brush and you're creating things in VR and then you can share them. Um, I don't know. But what, what do you think about that? Like user generated versus, you know, content creator generated, you know, VR, like yeah, I, I'm always. I, I think the user generated. I think that's that's a big key. I think there's some. We see some signals of that even at uh, SVBR at the meetups over the past couple of years. You know, a lot of people come into the space and they're not game developers. Mm -hmm. They are curious about VR or they like VR, and then they come to SVBR or some other meetup and they try it out. And then the first thing they want to do is they want to learn how to develop in unity or something like that, you know, or, or unreal. Their, their first instinct after experiencing virtual reality is that they want to create these worlds. They want to control them. I think there's like this in, in this built in urge to kind of play God, right. Yeah. <laughs> to have control over your environment and build these worlds. I think that's, you know, part of the promise of virtual worlds is that you can be creative with, you know, the very fabric of reality around you. Mm-hmm. I think that's really appealing to people. So I, th I think that, you know, this we're seeing all of these people that are new to VR who then become developers. I think that's an indicator that there's a real need for tools that allow people to create content, user generated content in VR. Yeah.
I think things like, yeah, Tilt Brush and Make VR and, you know, virtual worlds that are, you know, user generated like Second Life. I think that they're they're going to be huge mm-hmm. in VR. I mean, yeah, the, the user generated piece is it's it's a big piece of it. And, yeah. I, and I personally just there are definitely, you know, some schools that have thought that really like a highly designed um, experience where they had, you know, the top the top uh, 3D modelers and texture artists and the rest designing these really beautiful experiences. And, and those experiences are wonderful. I mean, you look at like the latest suite of Crescent Bay demos or the, the uh, vibe demos, you know, they're, they're really beautiful, but I also think there's a lot of beauty that comes from the chaos of allowing anyone to create anything. You know, you get a lot of, a lot of junk, but you also get some really amazing things mixed in. (laughs) Definitely, that definitely, and I mean, there therein lies a whole new set of challenges and 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 um and obstacles in in figuring out discovery for and and figuring out filtering systems that let yeah. you. and that's 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 a good point. That the when you're when you're dealing with user generated content, then discovery becomes the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's the problem that maybe Second Life never solved. You know, mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of beautiful stuff in there, but nobody can find it. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's extremely important um, that and, the but but you know some some tools like you know YouTube or whatever have you know found ways to uh, make this stuff discoverable and I think that VR that's going to be you know one of the biggest and most interesting problems of VR is you know experience discovery what does that look like what does a search engine of experiences look like it's not you know, it's not keywords. It's these experiences, which are like feelings and and atmospheres and vibes. You know, how do you how do you search through atmospheres? Yeah, you're gonna have to figure out a whole new new redefinition of categories for experiences. Um, yeah. So that's gonna be interesting. Um, you know, I want to ask you going Sounds back. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't mind working on that. Um, but going back to HTC Vive and what you mentioned earlier, did you know about? Did you know that Valve was going to release an HMD before they really they announced it? No, I was actually pretty skeptical that I thought they weren't. I mean, I and I think the the thing that made me doubt it was you know so many people left Valve for Oculus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in my in my head, I thought, okay, if they were working on something seriously, then these people wouldn't have left. (laughs) They would have stayed there to work on it. Right. Yeah. Um, So I was surprised as as many people were to hear that they were actually working on something still. Yes. It makes sense that they were doing it with a partner. And and I'm I'm extremely impressed with HTC as a partner for them. I mean, HTC is kind of, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever held their phones. They're they're kind of you know, rare, I guess, in the phone world, but they're beautiful phones. They are. Um, they're really, they're really um, talented company. I mean, they can make really amazing products. Yeah. So, and, and it's no surprise to me, you know, seeing that when they, if they had to pick a partner and, you know, that they picked HTC and that it, that it actually is, you know, really good. Uh, it's no surprise to me. I mean, I think HTC is a really interesting company. Yeah, it do for me it totally came out of the blue. Um I buy HTC phones for geopolitical reasons. Um but outside from that, I do think that they're really good phones. Um and I uh I, I want to know like does the introduction of the Vive 
um, change your projections as to what next year will look like for VR? And if so, how? Um, I think the combination of the Vive and then um, Sony both both coming out with dates. Yeah. You know, they both committed to dates or at least time frames, right? At GDC, which mm. which is nice because before that it was just so unknown. I mean, I think we all have a sense that Oculus is going to release something, you know, within the next year, but you know, they're not committing to any dates. But to have HTC and Valve and Sony both commit to dates. Um, I, I think that's, you know, that definitely puts the pressure on, and I think it keeps things on track. I mean, it keeps us from being like, let's wait until it's ready for years and years and years. Yeah. I think it's ready enough to make some serious uh, advances that, at this point. It definitely feels, I mean, coming out of GDC that whole month, it felt like a, a shot of new energy coming, you know, straight to your arm, just because of, because uh, you have dates, and you had these tangible things that you could now say to people, you know, when they ask you, when is, so when is it going to come out, because <laughs> you keep talking about when it's coming out, you know, you, you keep talking about it, but we don't know when, uh, when it's coming out, and I finally, we finally have those, you know, tentative dates, winter 2015 for Vive, yeah. and quarter two, 2016 for, for Sony, um, and, and, and it's really, I mean, the thing that's amazing is, you know, these are really good experiences. I yeah. mean, they're right, they're neck and neck, you know, the, the latest Crescent Bay and the latest Morpheus and the HTC uh, Valve, you know, the, they are, they are all really good. Mm -hmm. And to have three companies with really good VR instead of one company with really good VR, um, this, this is a really healthy thing. I mean, I think it's every, every healthy market has something like three to five main players. Yeah. And that's what VR needs is three to five main players that have really good products. And yeah. I think that's what we're getting. Yeah. So, so far we have Sony, HTC with Valve, Facebook and Oculus and Samsung um, with the Gear VR. Because I think their Galaxy Note 5 will be rumor has it will be the actual consumer version gear vr um rumor has it but well and if it ships it might ship sometime in december in september or in the fall of 2015 um you know do, what do you do you have any hopes do you have any uh you know what do you what do you what do you hope to get out of the next version of the gear vr uh well i hope to get positional tracking i understand that's probably a lot to ask for because <laughs> you, you need you know there's there's not a good solution for that yet but i feel like that's the one thing it's missing because as it is right now it's a it's a fantastic experience minus that one thing that you really need <laughs> yeah. i mean it you know there there are i definitely have qualms with it and the battery and the heat and the you know the fact that it's a phone i think for me is uh, a bit of a challenge <laughs> mm -hmm. because i still want my phone to be a phone mm -hmm especially when I'm showing people VR and then I want to take a picture of them or, you know, I need to use my phone while I wait while they're, you know, exploring VR. I can't because my phone is on someone's face. <laughs> so I think there's, there's some issues with it being a phone, but that's, that may be just me, but that, I don't know if that's going to be the same for everyone or if that's just for people that are going to find themselves in the position of evangelizing VR. Yeah. But then again, I think everyone who has VR devices especially portable ones, is going to be in the position of evangelizing VR for years. Yeah. This is where Samsung has the opportunity to, I, in my mind, I feel like 
Um, and just sticking in the gear for Gear VR for a little longer, this is where Samsung has an opportunity to really capitalize on their smartwatch hardware. Because if I give you my Gear VR and you're using my phone, um, and I get a text message or I get a call, I could simply use my watch. And if the camera yeah. resolution is good enough on the watch, then I could probably maybe take pictures while you're using my phone. Um, I don't know, Samsung. I think I think that'd be an interesting place to explore um, pairing the phone and the, and the Gear VR itself with the watch. I wonder if you could even use it as input, per, perhaps. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, yeah, you can use it as an input. You look at your watch and it gives you a virtual screen right where it should be. Yes. That would be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. Uh, you talked about, just a second ago, about um, people feeling like gods in VR. And that's something that's actually been um, been uh, circling around in my mind a lot lately because I was listening to a podcast with Gabe Newell. And Gabe was talking about how uh, at Valve, they've been noticing this effect, this strange or this peculiar thing that everybody notices or has a particular reaction when they see little people or little objects or miniaturized worlds in VR. Um, yep. And he's noticing that, like, you know, when they show these these miniaturized worlds to, 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 to people, they have, you know, peculiar reactions to it. And I'm I'm wondering if he's hinting onto something, if he's hinting onto you know perhaps the next the next game or perhaps a new generation of of games that look like tabletops but you know on steroids where the next monopoly of VR will be fully live and organic somehow and uh, you know Norm Chan from Tested was also talking about how he went in in Gear VR his best experience or one of his favorites is um, Hero Bound. And that has that top-down God mode perspective, and I, I'm starting to rethink in my mind what it is that makes, uh, what are what are what are the best VR experiences? I um, you know, when it, when it, when we first started looking at this, everybody thought that this was first-person perspective, and I and I and I can see that 100%. But I also see the value of this god mode perspective little people little world sort of um dynamic and and i wonder like do you think that this is a a new genre we're looking into uh just the early stages of there is something to it there's i think it reminds people of being a kid and playing with little toys and mm -hmm. like matchbox cars and having your little village so i think it it, it kind of has a special place for most people when they see these little like micro worlds um, I, a lot of people, I remember after, uh, Oculus Connect, a lot of people found there was one of the, one of the demos that they were showing at Oculus Connect for Crescent Bay had this kind of little, little people. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people said that was their favorite demo. Um, I think it's, uh, been similar with, uh, the Vive or, or the earlier Valve demos as well, Yeah. where the, these kind of demos where there's little tiny people and you're looking above as a giant i think they just they really affect people in some hard to describe way yeah um, it's just it's just a lot of fun and you know i'll tell you um yeah the first person it, it seems like first person is obvious but um again as as always i'll bring it back to second life but you know second life right now you can use it as first person mm -hmm. in vr or you can use it in this kind of third person looking from above kind of view and that's the view i wind up using when i'm when i'm using second life in vr or even not vr on a screen that's the view you wind up using most 
there's there's something to it. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but it definitely it's definitely very appealing, and I think it, there'll be a whole genre of games. I mean, there already are in VR. There's you know a couple of racing games now, yeah. and it's kind of like little little toys. You know, you're playing with little toys and little people. Yeah, it it definitely. I mean, it definitely rings true to what you said about you know it makes us feel like the kids kids again that we used to make up for the fact that. Uh, Our, our toys didn't have flashing lights and lasers and rockets and we just use our imagination and now vr is doing the imagination for us now that we're uh older and i mean the older i get the harder i know this seems odd to say but the harder it feels for me to use my imagination and and with vr yeah. it feels like i um i don't you know that that process those processes are done for me you know um and i think that's that that's really great um and where was i going about this god mode games vr let's talk about svvr because i i i had oh well you mentioned i just wanted to mention you mentioned yeah. tilt brush i, I yeah. just wanted to mention i i finally got to try tilt brush on friday in nice. the vive you know i had tried it before in the dk2 but i finally got to try it in the vive and wow it was just amazing yeah <laughs> it was beautiful just so much fun who do I you can totally see just yeah you know, pe people just you know really getting so creative in, in an environment like that yeah i'm i there's there's gonna be a lot of um there's gonna be a lot i'm there's gonna be a lot of dick butts you know have you seen the meme dick butt um uh because of the internet there's gonna be a lot of uh uh you know what memes um uh, socially awkward penguins in tilt brush being created there's gonna be a lot of um Yeah, really interesting memes. Hypnotoads in VR through Tilt Brush. Yeah, I look forward to those things. Uh, please, out there, whoever whoever's listening, make them when when the time comes. Um, but yeah, uh, let's talk about SVR because it's coming up. It's the second. Coming up. S it's just under a month away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about it. How is it coming along? All right, it's coming along awesome. Um, yeah, we were building a a coalition you know we're trying to basically get the entire industry on the same page for this two-day mega event yes. um so you know our our mission with svvr has always been to showcase a diverse and healthy vr ecosystem you know as as we talked about earlier i, th I think one company owning vr would be bad a lot of companies would be good mm -hmm. a lot of different approaches there's a lot of different verticals there's gaming there's cinematic vr there's people uh, working on health applications so all of these people share common problems and common solutions to those problems and common hardware and they can all learn from each other so we're trying to create the place where all of these companies trying all of these different approaches and all of the developers working on all these different experiences can all come together and share notes and collaborate and have good, healthy conversations and discussions and also just have a lot of really cool VR toys in one place. Nice. So you know, our, our, our mission is to get 100 companies on this expo floor to create the largest VR expo floor ever created. Uh, we're well on our way to doing that. I think we're going to hit that goal. Um, we are right now I'm finalizing all the talks and panels, but we have two full days of panels and talks and sessions. Um, there's going to, during most of the conference, we're going to have multiple concurrent sessions. So if you're not into one thing, there'll be other things going on that you're into. 
no matter what it, no matter what you're into, there'll be something there for you. Um, we're gonna have you know talks and panels and discussions on developing for mobile and gear and cardboard and Oculus uh, workshops on Unity and Leap and Six Sense STEM and just and endless amount of VR sessions and content and it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. I cannot wait. I'm looking forward more to this than E3, actually, even though E3... It's going to be more fun than E3. Yeah, There'll yeah. be more VR than there was at E3. Oh, yeah, by miles, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so, 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 okay, so let's try to... Let me try to get some of the juicy stuff out of the way. Will there be an Oculus Rift Crescent Bay prototype there? Absolutely. There will be... I think there will be four. I think they're still figuring out how many, but Oculus is going to have a big booth. They're a gold sponsor. They're going to have a big booth. They're going to have lots of Crescent Bays. Yes. Will there be HTC Vibes? I cannot confirm that at this time, but these things are in the works. Okay. <laughs> there are things in the works. <laughs> nice. Will... I cannot confirm that. I cannot confirm Sony at this time. Okay. Sony was there last year. I would say it's very likely, um, but I can't officially confirm it yet. Okay. But if they are there, they will definitely be there with the latest Morpheus, um, which they... I guess had only shown at GDC so far. Yeah. Uh, probably most people's first experience with the latest Morpheus as well, which by the way, the, the, um, what was it? The 120 Hertz demo is amazing. I didn't get to try it. It was at VRLA and it was a huge line and I did not get to try it. Tell me what you think. It was, there's just something about upping the, upping the frame rate, upping the Hertz, you know, it's just, it becomes more and more comfortable. Nice. It's, it's kind of hard to describe what's better about it. It's just something's better about it, and you just feel like, ah, oh, this just feels real. Yeah. So, so Carl, SVVR, um, the, the conference feels like it's growing exponentially. Um, yes. This, the, what, is the, um, what, is, what is the goal this year for, for uh, attendees, and what was it last year? Uh, uh, last year, we were 400. That was the capacity of the space we were in, and we sold out. Uh, so this year, we're 1,200, so that's three times larger. So yes. hopefully we will sell out or exceed that number. Yes. At some point we have to decide what the cutoff is. So at, at, initially we thought we would let it grow infinitely as big as it wants to be, but there's you know there's food orders and seating and all this stuff that happens to ha has to happen ahead of time. So we'll have to figure out what that cutoff point is in the weeks leading up to it. Hmm. But 1,200 is the target for attendees. Um, I think we're we're on target to hit that, and we have some really big announcements coming in the next few weeks that I think are gonna make it a you know a, a sellout, a sold out show. I am super excited, and I know I'm not gonna get anything out of this, but I'm going to ask anyways. Can you give me a sneak preview or a hint or a clue as to what these exciting announcements might be? Um, well, just in, important companies in the space that are going to be joining on and helping us out with uh, content and and um, and just participation, you know, big, yeah, participation, helping us build this very interesting expo floor. Hope we're gonna uh, we're gonna be seeing some announcements at the show, which is nice. You know, eventually we'd like for these VR companies to stop doing their VR announcements at. You know, E3. Who needs E3 when you have SVVR, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, we're doing. We're also doing some fun things. We're doing a uh, VR museum this year. Ooh. So uh, there are a lot of people within our community that have been in VR. You know, back 
going back to the 80s. And uh, uh, a surprising number of people have really cool toys hidden at home in their basements and garages. And so we're we're tapping into our community to help us put together a uh, museum of VR. So we're going to have that right on the expo floor, and you'll be able to see uh, early HMDs and gloves and all sorts of cool things. Uh, we have uh, we have Monica Joe helping out, who was um, she's helping uh, to lead this VR museum effort. And um, I, I I know that you met Monica. She was the uh, first uh, woman to get married in VR. How could I forget? I had her on the uh, podcast. She was so lovely. Yeah. So we're going to do a little uh, display around the VR wedding, and yeah. Dude, that sounds exciting, man! Uh, I can't wait. We're trying to get. We're actually really hoping. I don't know if it's likely, but we're really hoping to a virtuality machine because that's one of the machines that everybody, a lot of people, (laughs) had as their first VR experience was like Dactyl Nightmare on a virtuality (laughs) machine. So we're trying. Uh, We haven't found one yet, but we have a lot of uh, feelers out there right now. Dude, Carl, can I can I throw just one one little idea into the bucket of all yes, the ideas please. that you? Okay, so what if what if you can turn the museum um into a Madame Tussauds wax museum, but of virtual reality, and instead of wax figures, it's just three D scans of all the people that are like pioneers. So it'll be you and Bruce. And you'll, and, and oh no, be, we would need to have the round of pioneers before us. Yeah, and Tom we'll, Furness, yeah, and we're all new guys. All those guys, and Ben Delaney, and all of them. Um, have them. Yeah, we need, yeah, Tom Furness, and yeah, Jaron Lanier, wax figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in VR, and you'll just three D printed. Exactly, a three D scan, and yeah, you're just walking through this weird museum with all the all the people, all the pioneers in it. That'd be, yeah. but, but, but I'm Excellent super excited. Idea. We'll keep it in mind for the permanent museum. Yeah. Eventually I'd like to, at some point, you know, through SVVR, I'd like to put together a permanent VR museum. Dude. And, uh, this is a little, a little, uh, test of that, I think. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Um, I can't wait. I'm, I'm super excited for what you and Monica Joe and all these amazing companies are going to, uh, put together. And, and so the date is May 19th, I believe. Hey. May 18th and 19th. 18th and yep. 19th, okay. Two days, two full days. And it will Tons be... Tons of VR. There's, I don't know if I can announce it yet, but one of the companies in our space is going to be doing a big uh, after party on that first night. That'll be a can't-miss event. Yes. And I don't think I can announce the company yet because they haven't announced it, so I'll save it for them. But it's going to be uh, just VR insanity for two days. I actually wish we had a third day because... There's so much, so many people that want to speak and interesting content that we could have, and we're just running out of room for it, even with multiple tracks. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest problem at SVBR is going to be that people can't decide which sessions to go to because there are so many good ones. Yeah, uh, that well, that's a good problem to have. That's a great problem to have. <laughs> but uh, man, I mean, what is it? What is? What are the logistical hurdles of trying to put together something that is three days? And uh, before you answer, I understand you are a human, by the way, right? So yeah, you, you you do sleep, like <laughs> and, and you and you do have times when you need to rest. Um, but th- because it sounds like it's an, an insane amount of work, uh, to put together something so big, um. And, and, you know, how do you do it? Do you, and what do you, what are you learning along the way? Yes. I'm learning that we need a bigger team um, <laughs> and that we need to delegate and we need a bigger team. Mm. But um, yeah, at this point, the it, core organization is myself and my partner, Nana. And, um, you know, she is a logistics wizard and, 
Yeah, we have a we have a nice system, but uh, we could definitely we're definitely going to need to grow bigger next year definitely. <laughs> as a team. But yeah, there's there's a lot involved in it. You know, it's the, the exhibitors. That's that's one whole piece. The expo floor, the exhibitors, the speaking. That's a whole nother piece. I mean, just imagine how many speakers and you know panels we have. Th- we have two days of three concurrent tracks. That's a lot of people, a lot of speakers, a lot of a lot of egos to balance. <laughs> um, and and it's just trying to figure out, you know, okay, the people that would like this talk, what is the talk to put that up against so you don't have too many people that can't decide and trying to balance it all together. And then we have, um, you know, workshops and we're trying to do, we're trying to make at least one of the tracks kind of uh, themed so that it, it, it has, uh, it carries through with like a beginning and an end. And it's a, it's a big challenge, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I um I can't wait, and I thank you uh, on behalf of myself and uh, even I dare say the people who will be attending because you guys are doing pioneer work and you're doing amazing work to like push this industry and community forward. Carl, you're you're awesome, and you Nana and and the team. Um, you know how can people help out? I, I, are, are, is it, is there a possibility to volunteer and help out for the event? Yes, we're going to be doing our, I think our initial call for volunteers actually on at the next SVVR meetup, um, okay. but we will have a volunteer crew um, and volunteers, I, I don't know the exact number of hours, but for some number of hours, you'll get a free ticket. So for people that are, um, have thin wallets right now, it's a good way to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come and help out and it's also a lot of fun to volunteer and help out and get a little bit behind the scenes and you get to depending on what you do, you get to interact with the speakers or exhibitors or people you might not normally get to interact with. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're always looking for volunteers and I definitely be doing a big call for volunteers, uh, the next SVVR meetup, which is the last one before the conference. I highly, for anybody's listening and you're in the area, I highly recommend volunteering. Um, I, I, I got to help out a little bit, uh, at the VR GDC mixer and I got to meet Shuhei Yoshida, president of Sony Worldwide Studios. Meet Shuhei. Volunteer and meet Shuhei. (laughs) So so do that, man, because, yeah, you do get amazing opportunities to take take selfies and be a groupie with really awesome people. Um, Yeah. And uh, Carl, we're going to end on a bang um, before we we leave. Let me run you through one last crazy idea, okay? Um, So here's the one. Here's here's what I've been thinking about the other day. I was thinking about how, um, you know, people at Singularity and, you know, Kurzweil and the Amantis and all of them, they think that, um, I, I, I believe them when they say that drone technology is an exponential technology. And I think about, all right, what does that mean? What does exponential mean? And if I'm correct here, it's not just exponential in the way that they are autonomous, which they are, which they are, and they will be more and more autonomous. But I'm also thinking about exponential in the sense of their lifting capacity, the way that the, the amount of carrying things that they, the amount of things that they can carry and the weight that they can carry. And so, you know, it, it'll be, it won't be long before, and by long, I mean five to 10 years where you and I will have our Amazon, you know, products delivered to our house via a drone because, 
you know, it'll just be that much cheaper and that much more convenient. And, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, companies will work with governments to figure out lanes, you know, f flying lanes for drones or something. So I think about that and I was like, all right, well, that's cool. But why does it have to just stop there at, at, at physical goods? Why can it just why can it be also humans like the next Uber of. The next Uber of the world would would be a drone taxi service where you order a drone and it comes and it comes picks you up and you and go inside this titanium cage and, and it takes you and it takes you and it's autonomous. So you set the path and it'll take you to your next business or coffee meeting. Um, and I want to know. Is the world ready for something like that? <laughs> with, with ten years down the line, um, would 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 drone taxis uh, be a possibility, or am I am I pretty insane? Um, I I don't think so. I think that sounds like a logical conclusion. Like yeah, to me, I, I think just looking at where where it is now. I mean, I think for drones, there's elements of drones that are ex that are going to take advantage advantage of the exponentials. But um, unfortunately, batteries do not follow the exponential. The batteries are mm. following a linear curve. Mm. They're not. Um, they're not improving exponentially right now. Although you know that could that could change as well. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a big believer that we're going to see some massive breakthroughs in the energy side um, in the next you know couple of decades. But. Um, yeah, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect that, you know, the this drone scenario that you're talking about. Yeah, because I, I don't want to take the subway or a, a taxi to go places anymore. I'm just I just want, I want to fly and it'd be it'd be amazing if you could. Um, you know, my girlfriend was like, well, why do we, you know, people are going to you know, people are going to get scared. No one's going to want to do that. And then I say, yes, that's what they thought when they first saw airplanes what these yeah. metal cylinders they're going you know and it's proven to be the safest you know way to travel so uh, you know i expect that they're but you're right the the battery issue is huge i feel like yeah, the battery not been the advances in batteries have not been following the it's the, uh, moore's law or any of these exponential it's so curves. sad because you it, it feels like it's the gordian gordian knot of so many technologies that could get propelled so much further if you if you nailed down you know if if battery technology was exponential um yeah man but that said, there's a there's a lot of areas in around energy that have the potential for massive breakthroughs. Yeah. So who knows which one it'll be? But I think that some there will be some major breakthrough in energy power that will uh, that will jump us forward significantly. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for my Iron Man suit. Um, so but, uh, spe speaking of uh, exponentials, though, and singularity. Mm. University, we have. Do you see? We have a talk from uh, Aaron Frank at Singularity University on the expon exponentials and virtual reality. Hey. <laughs> the uh, yeah, which is pretty interesting. I think this is. I think that's an, an interesting topic to you know as we look at where VR was, especially with the museum, as we look and see yeah. where it was like twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Yeah. And then try to predict, you know, where it's going to be in you know, 10 years or 20 years or 30 years from now, I think then you really have to pay attention to what exponential accelerating change means. Mm -hmm. 
especially especially when you pair VR as an exponential technology with other exponential technologies like AI and even yeah. synthetic biology to some degree. Um, you know, when you pair these things with 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 VR and you're looking this down the line and it's it it's like it's a fully engulfing metaverse that we might see or not but it's extremely yeah, exciting and vr and ai and 3d printing and 3d scanning all of these things tie in together mm-hmm. that's for sure and they all play off of each other and, and it's i mean this is one of the reasons behind the exponential progress of in technology is that one technology builds on another and all of these technologies are building on each other yeah you know, I, I like to use the analogy that um, all these things, all these technologies are just are just instruments uh, and they're part of an orchestra. Um, and right now what we're doing is we're putting all the we're getting all the instruments together to sit together. Um, we're, when, and when fine, we're, we're starting to fine tune them. Um, but eventually we're going to put all these instruments together and we're going to make music. Um, uh, and that's going to be I like that. wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, Carl Kratz, any any final thoughts? Any uh, last few things that you'd like to l- let the world know before we bring things to a close? Uh, no, I just want to encourage everyone to come to SVVR. If you don't come, you're going to regret it. I promise you that. <laughs> you're going to hear so much amazing stuff coming out of this. Um, and if you do come, you're going to have the the best time so many people that came last year said this was the best conference they had ever been to i think that that will be three times as the case this year as we're three times bigger and better yep (laughs) with three times as many concurrent tracks and yes i think i think uh it's just going to be an amazing few days for everyone in the vr space and we have people coming from all over the world i mean you wouldn't even believe some of the countries that people are coming from you know as we're trying to figure out how to deal with payment processing from some of these crazy countries like wow i can't believe these people are coming and they have a vr community out there but it's great but yeah it's it's going to be a ton of fun and it's going to be you know everyone in the space is going to be there and you should be there too yeah um carl kratz you are making history um and i'd like to thank you again for your time and for being a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality um I'll, i'll see you in the metaverse carl thanks for having me chris and bam